How can we live the good life? This is a question that I think many Americans ask on a regular basis. Most of us want our lives to get better, and often when we spend time on social media, we see others living the good life that we wish we were living. Welcome to This Divine Moment, a podcast where we learn to pay attention to and respond to the work that God is already doing in each of our lives. In today's episode, we explore our relationship with the idea of the good life and how our desires for the good life can actually lead to divine moments. Well, hey, welcome to this divine moment. I am so glad that you are with me for another episode. And if you don't know me, my name is Ben Cornick, and I am your host of this divine moment. I am a husband, a father, a pastor, a speaker, and I'm also a huge fan of history. I love to study history. I love to uh, look at all sorts of uh, moments and trends in history. And I'm truly somebody who believes that if we don't understand our history, then we're doomed to repeat it. But uh, one aspect of history that I really love to read about is these uh, kind of almost mythological, legendary stories of Americans building uh, incredible companies. Uh, that that might not interest you, but I I love hearing these stories. Uh, you you can look all the way back to the Industrial Revolution, um, but. In recent times, it's more stories like Apple or Starbucks or things like that. But I was actually just watching this movie, The Founder, which is all about uh, the beginnings of the McDonald's food empire. And I, I will watch stories like that. And there's part of me that's just so inspired by it. You know, I, I don't own a business or anything like that. I just there's just something about this uh, building of something up. And I think, though, that as I look into my own self, like, why is it that I'm attracted to those kind of stories? Because, you know, I'm not necessarily always attracted to the idea of somebody building a school or um, a, uh, you know, a community. It's specifically companies. Well, it's because in America, uh, to be able to be a successful person, many people believe you've got to be able to build your own business. And so I look on my own childhood and I remember the day where I realized my family was not not well off. Uh, we I grew up actually pretty poor uh, by American standards. And I remember this day where I realized there was other kids at school who had a lot more money than my family. And I, you know, I wasn't really aware of money when I was, you know, really young. But then I got to this age, maybe it was like eight eight years old or something like that. And I just remember realizing, oh, our family's different. Like my other friends, they get new clothes all the time. I don't. My other friends, like their family, they don't get their electricity turned off all the time. My family does. You know, my my friends' families, their their parents can always afford to put gas in their car. I'm like, in my family, sometimes we have to walk places because we can't afford gas. And so I, I just started to realize, oh, okay, there's a difference here. And I actually grew up um, where I had some family members who were really wealthy, like not my immediate family, just extended family. And so I remember then comparing my family and my life to my wealthy friends and wealthy extended family. And I just remember 
when I was nine years old thinking, you know what? The answer to this problem is money. Like our family doesn't have it and it makes our life miserable. So I need to make money. So I went and got a paper route. And then I got another one and another one. And before you knew it, I was doing multiple paper routes um, every week just so that I could make money. And for, you know, like a fifth, sixth grader, I was making bank. And uh, I would even enlist friends to help me and I would pay them a few bucks and they felt like they made some money and I pocketed most of the rest for myself. Uh, So in my mind, I was like, man, if I can just keep on making money, this is what's going to solve my problem. And so to me, that was the answer to the good life. But I'm not so sure about that anymore. Uh, There's still a part of me that's really uh, drawn to those stories, but I've encountered something different in my life that has obviously changed the trajectory of everything. And what I want to talk about today is the good life, because I think many of us want the good life, but do we even know what the good life really is? Do we actually understand it? And I also want to show us how our desire for the good life actually can lead to incredible divine moments. So I want to start by reading a passage uh, from the book of 1 Peter. It's in chapter 2, and he's writing to uh, believers uh, in the early church, and he says, you should live such good lives among non-believers that they wind up praising your Father in heaven. So he's talking to Christians and he's saying, your life should be so good that they wind up praising your father in heaven. Now, it's an odd concept that your life is so good that they go, wow, praise God. It's it's just an odd thing. Most people would say, well, I'll praise God when my life is good. But he's saying that your life should be so good that it would actually make people say, wow, we must have an incredibly good God. And, and actually, the, the word he uses here is the word kalos. When he talks about good, it's the word uh, kalos. And it means attractively good, a good that inspires and motivates others to embrace what is lovely or beautiful or praiseworthy. Otherwise, otherwise you could say it as well done so to be winsome or appealing. He's saying that your life should be like a work of art. Your life should be like a movie that when people watch it, they go, that was incredible. Like a musical that they watch and they, they want to give it a standing ovation, like a, an Olympic performance that when it's, when it's done, people rise to their feet and they cheer. He's saying that's what your life should be like. That's why pre- people would praise God, not because your life is so much better than theirs, but because there's something about it that inspires them, something about it that causes them to go, yeah, yeah. That is what it means to be human. And so Peter is saying the truly good life is when you are living for God. It doesn't consist of jet setting and fancy houses. It consists of living a life filled with so much goodness that even people who are rich and powerful will say, how can I have a life like that? It's living a life with so much joy and peace that busy executives and People who run large companies would say, how is that even possible? And again, you know, I I look at my own story and I just think about the times where I had to relearn what it meant to live the truly good life. And I, I still struggle with this. 
because we we look at social media and it is so easy to think, man, these other people, they have better lives than I do. Uh, Just the other day, I was on social media and I saw this guy who was traveling the world and I just was like, man... That's frustrating. Like the last time I want went on a real trip somewhere uh, was a really long time ago. And so I'm like, ah, oh, man, it's just frustrating to me. And so then what happens is you feel this sense of envy. You feel this sense of like, well, I want that too. And now normally what we do is then we kick it into high gear and we say, well, how could I, how could I get that for myself? But this could be a divine moment. See, instead of going, how can I get that for myself? We could say, well, what does God have for me? What is the life he has for me? And often the answer isn't necessarily what we think it would be, that God's going to give you the the big house and the fancy cars and all the trips. Um, I mean, I guess he might, but the Bible tells us of a different way, a different kind of life. Because let me ask you this, what do you really want? Like if, if someone came up to you and said, I'll give you anything you want, what do you want? Do you, do you know what you would say? If they said, literally, I'll give you anything. I think most of us would stutter and, and then we'd realize, well, I don't want to miss this opportunity. So we might say, I want uh, $10 million and I want a mansion and I want uh, uh, a private plane and I want cars and... I, I want, uh, you know, a, a, a villa on the Mediterranean. Like we would just start listing things off that we think would make our lives better. Um, but it's, it's funny because I talk to people who have a lot of stuff and sometimes they say, man, all this stuff is just such a headache. See, here's, here's the truth. No matter if you have a little or a lot, what every single person truly wants is joy and peace. We want the gnawing in our soul to go away. We want the, the, the thoughts that race through our mind to, to stop and to slow down. We want the pain of the past to not have such a tight grip on our lives. We, we want the, the, the hurt that's in our relationships to, to be healed. Every single person, what we truly want, more than money, more than stuff, more than experiences... We want joy and peace. See, I've met, I've met and known very rich people, very powerful people, famous people. And I have found people in those shoes who have been absolutely miserable. They don't like their life. They don't enjoy it. They, it's, it's almost like uh, a kid who's eaten too much ice cream. It's like, I, I just feel sick. It's just, it's just even fun. It's just miserable now. And I have met people that are living the good life, the life that most of us would say we want, and they're not enjoying life. And then I've met people who have nothing. Um, I, I can, I'll specifically just bring you back to a moment in my life where I got to, uh, I got to go to Thailand and we went into the refugee camps and... I got to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with uh, literally thousands of people in these camps. But there was this one day where there was a young woman who wanted to host our team in her home. And 
we came to her house and she just wanted to be with us. She just wanted to learn who we were and ask us questions about our lives and about God. And she gave us Sprite and Twinkies. And I remember thinking, well, this is kind of weird. Like, okay, Sprite and Twinkies, let's go for it. And then when, when we all got done, I mean, the whole thing lasted maybe a half an hour. And then we left. And by the way, the Sprite was warm and the Twinkies were who knows how old. Um, but, you know, Twinkies kind of just taste the same no matter what. And I remember we walked away and the, the missionary that had brought our team in, he said, do you realize uh, how much of a blessing that time was? And I thought he just meant like spiritually. So I was like, yeah, this is, it was great. And he goes, no, like, do you realize that she just spent like a month's wages on all of you? And we were all like, wait, what? And he's like, yeah, Sprite and Twinkies are not cheap in the refugee camps. He's like, that's premium food. He's like, she literally saved up money knowing that your team was coming. She bought the Sprite and the Twinkies because she thought, hey, this is American food. They would probably like it. And then she invited you to her home to spend time with you. And it just shocked me. I was like, man, I wonder, like, would I ever spend a month's wages on some people coming to my house? I don't think so. That, That would be a ton of money for Americans. And I said, for this woman, she literally saved up money and she had nothing. She, she lived in a little hut. She had a little bit of clothing and that was it. And yet she was so filled with joy and peace just to be with us. And she, she kept talking about how good it was to know God. She kept talking about how thankful she was for Jesus. She had no concept of uh, you know, as Americans, we talk about the rights that we have. And we we talk about, um, you know, like uh, every American should be able to live a certain life. And we, we all should have a certain wage. And we, and here's this woman who has nothing. And she was filled with more joy and peace than probably most Americans I've ever met in my entire life. And yet if we were given her life, we would hate it. We would say, no, this is this is terrible. I can't enjoy life now. I can't live in a hut. I can't, you know, if Sprite and Twinkies are the most expensive foods in my life, that's crazy. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to live in in some refugee camp. It's ridiculous. But this woman was filled with joy and peace. And Peter, who wrote that letter that I, I read from earlier, he wasn't rich. He wasn't famous. So how did he know how to live the good life? See, what I learned from Peter and what I learned from this young woman in the refugee camps is that there's so many things in life that we think will give us the good life, and yet they can be taken away from us. They can be tarnished. They, they can, they can be, uh, cars can be totaled. Things can be stolen. Things can be smashed. Things will rust away. I, I've heard of people losing entire fortunes in one evening. I've heard of people uh, losing their marriage because of one decision. I've heard of people uh, losing friendships over opinions. So many things in life can be taken away from us, but the life that Peter is talking about, it can never be taken from us. Er Earlier in that same letter, he actually calls it a living hope. 
this eternal life that we are given. So how do we get this life? How do we live a life that is literally filled with joy and peace that can never be taken away from us? That even if money were taken away from us, even if our stuff was taken away from us, even if uh, family and friends were taken from us, that there's something inside of us that will never go away. How do we get that? Well, I'm going to tell you a couple of things that the scriptures tell us about what it means to live the truly good life. Uh, When Paul is writing to Timothy, Timothy's a young pastor. Paul was older in his life at this point. He says, hey, tell those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant or to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. So again, our wealth can be uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. So that's the thing. God, he will give you stuff. He will actually put things in your life and he'll give it to you for your enjoyment. God, it's not like he wants us to hate life. He just wants us to live life in a way that makes sense. He says that his will is best for us. In the book of Isaiah, it says God's will is what's best for our lives. So sometimes we think that we've got a better idea of life, but God's saying, no, if you live my way, like you will truly enjoy life. So I I think about that. And then later on, it says to lay up treasure for themselves for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Don't you want to, don't you want the, the truly good life? Well, Paul is saying you know, we think about investments. Uh, just the other day, I was listening to a podcast where they were talking about different ways that you can invest. And um, and I, uh, someone told me to listen to it. They said, hey, uh, Pastor Ben, you should listen to this. And I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll check it out. And uh, it was really good. It was insightful, a lot of interesting wisdom. But here's my point, is that I thought, man, what Paul is talking about is the best investment strategy that's ever ever been introduced to humanity. That when we, when we live this good life, when we put our hope in God rather than in wealth, he says, and then if we spend our money to do good, he says that in the same passage, like tell him to be generous and be rich in good deeds and be willing to share with others. Well, if we do that, then what happens is we're actually laying up a good investment for ourselves in heaven. And Jesus talked about this. And so it's incredible because then what happens is we... If you're a Christian, death is just a comma for you in your eternal story. And so then you get to this new heavens and new earth that God is going to create. And you have this investment that you have laid up for yourself. That's exactly what the Bible says. And so that is part of living the good life is that we actually have this eternal perspective that we go, man, it's not about just trying to live in the here and now. Uh, You know, there's people who say things like, well, life is short, so live it up. I would say eternity is long, so be prepared. Now, in Psalm 37, 4, it says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So if we want our desires fulfilled in life, the way we do that is by taking delight in the Lord. But what does that even mean? (laughs) I mean, I think we hear that and we're just like, I don't, what is that supposed to mean? Like go to church or something? I, I think we're so unspiritual. 
all of us, we're just so unspiritual. We're so focused on the desires of our flesh that we don't even know how to do this. Like it, it doesn't even make sense to us. So how do we, how do we actually delight ourselves in God? Well, I want you to think about this. What were you made for? To make money? To travel the world? Or were you made for a much grander purpose? See, this is why these things can become a divine moment for us because our desire for the good life actually reveals our desire for something much, much deeper. Even our desire for joy and peace. Joy and peace come from one place, a relationship with God. That is what you were designed for, a relationship with God, and then to fulfill his purposes in your life. And that's always the best life every single time. This is what you were made for. And I, I just think that's why the, the, the teaching of being born again makes so much sense. Because we're born into this world and we're born into a world filled with sin and darkness and uh, strife and selfish ambition. And to, to live the truly spiritual life, the truly good life, the eternal life that Jesus is trying to give us, to be truly in relationship with God, we have to be born again. And then we're born into a new world. Jesus says he's making a new world. Our eyes become opened and we start to see through the eyes of God. We start to understand our life completely differently. The God who's outside of space and time entered space and time so that those who were in space and time could be given a glimpse of eternity. Because God said he set eternity in every single one of our hearts. So we have a desire for eternity, but we don't know how to get it. We don't know what it looks like. And God can give that to us. That's what Jesus did on the cross when he died for our sins and he rose again three days later. And he said he, he's going to go prepare a place for us. And then he's going to come back and it'll be a new heavens and a new earth. That's what he was allowing us to do. And so when we're born again, when we give our lives to Christ, when we repent from our, our sin and we repent from our desire for the, for the things of this world, these things that are hollow, these things that don't deliver, these things that will never give us what our soul truly wants. When we do that and we embrace the life that Jesus has for us, everything will change. You will experience more joy and peace than you've ever known in your life. I was just talking to someone yesterday and she she grew up with an alcoholic father who was abusive. And, and uh, one day she, under, she finally understood what it meant to give her life to Christ. Um, she had someone in her life who was just sharing the gospel with her. And uh, she went in her bedroom, shut the door, and she, she just said, God, I want to give my life to you. I, I, I want whatever it is you have for me. I surrender my life to you. And from now on, I, I want to be in relationship with you. I want to live for you. And she said, literally in that moment, all of her anxiety just went away. And she just felt joy and peace. And then she said she walked downstairs and she looked in the living room and her dad was yelling at her siblings. And she said she literally felt the Holy Spirit speak to her. This changes you, not your circumstances. See, that's the beauty of the good life that God wants to give you. It doesn't matter your circumstances. The good life is from the inside. The good life changes you. So you have joy and peace that can never be robbed from you. 
That's the good life God wants to give you. See, when I, when I hear that story of Peter, or when I hear that uh, passage from Peter, live such good m- lives among non-believers that uh, they will praise your father in heaven. Uh, it reminds me of a story of a man named Dimitri. Uh, Dimitri is someone who gave his life to Christ in the Soviet Union. And because of that, he was put in prison. And uh, he, when he was in prison, he would actually, um, he would sing songs every day. And it drove the other prisoners nuts. He would sing these hymns and these praise songs and it would just drive them crazy. And he would, uh, he would write scriptures out on pieces of paper so that he could memorize them and recite them. And then when the soldier or when the guards would find it, they would beat him. And then you know what? He would do it again because he said this, th- these words, they're words of life. They're much better than anything else in life. And I'm willing to endure any hardship if that means I can continue to read the scriptures and to sing my songs of praise to the Lord. And he had this one song in particular that he would sing every morning. I don't know what song it was, but he would sing it every morning. Well, finally, uh, the the prison warden decided that it was Dimitri's time to go. They were going to execute him. And so on the day of his execution, uh, he sang his song of praise in the morning and then the, soul, the, the guards, they came to get him and they started to lead him down the corridor. And at that moment, uh, all of the other prisoners came to the, the door of their cell and they all began to sing the song of praise that Dimitri would sing every morning. Many of them were not believers, but the, the, the way this man was so filled with joy and peace, even while facing down execution in the gulag, it inspired them. And they literally praised Dimitri's father in heaven. And it, it, was, it, was, it was incredible. And the reason I know that story is because Dimitri lived to tell the story. You know Why? Because in that moment, when all the soldiers started to sing, it was, as if, it was as if the host of heaven had entered the prison, had entered the gulag, and the, the very presence of God had invaded the space. And the, the prison guards, they looked at this man and they said, who is this man? And the prison warden came down from his office and he immediately released Dimitri to be free. Because he says, I don't know who this man is, but I've never seen anything like this in my life. Everyone was weeping. Uh, People were praising God. All because this man, even in the face of incredible persecution and trial, every single day he kept on singing his songs to the Lord. And so this is what the good life is. It comes through Jesus. It comes through giving our lives to him repenting from our sins and asking to put our trust in Jesus. But then it can be sustained. Every day we can spend time in solitude. We can sing songs of worship. We can be in fellowship with other believers. We can read the scriptures. We can spend time in self-reflection. We can share and be generous with other people. These are ways that we can delight ourselves in the Lord. Uh, there are times that I go walking along by the water. There's times that I, I will spend time out in nature. There's times where I just need to take a drive. Uh, there's times where I just need to be in complete silence. There's times where I put on worship music or uh, you know, some other kind of music like 
I don't know, classical music or whatever, uh, just anything that helps bring you to a place where you can contemplate and think and give yourself some time for peace and joy to grow in your life. And so may you find the good life that Jesus has for you. And may you find the good life in Jesus. May you stop turning to the things of this world, hoping they will fill you and satisfy you only to find that they'll leave you empty. And instead, may you turn to the things that are being given to you straight from heaven for your enjoyment, both here and forevermore. May you know that God is for you. He's not against you. May you know that his plans are the best plans for your life, better than anything you or someone else could ever come up with. And through this, may you truly find the good life that is filled with peace Enjoy the kind of life that no one could ever rob away from you and the kind of life that will truly be life. Well, hey, thank you for joining me for this divine moment. I hope that in today's time together that you have uh, experienced the presence of God that you've experienced a divine moment yourself. I would encourage you to spend some time to journal about it or or talk to someone about it and uh, just see what God might be doing in the depths of your soul. Uh, I've been so encouraged to hear a lot of the feedback that I've been getting about the podcast. Uh, Just the other day, I got to talk with uh, an old friend of mine, and he said that a recent episode actually really helped him make a life decision. (laughs) And it was just so, uh, it just, it really... It really blessed me. It was so good to hear how this has been helpful to other people. So if this is helpful to you, please share it, uh, rate it, review it, uh, and let other people know about the podcast. I want to thank you so much for being a listener, for being a part of this Divine Moment community. And uh, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. And I hope that you join me again next week for another episode of this Divine Moment.